Hello everyone, hello, hi, hello, this is Tom Quee, welcome back to Alpha Metallica. You may have noticed that the band have got a new album out, so it just made sense to me really to dust off the old gal, get talking to some old friends, and just keep discussing this incredible, immortal band. So yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be around now for the next three months, going song by song through all 12 songs of 72 seasons, and then after that I'm looking to get my teeth into the blacklist as well. So if you do want to come on the show, or if you just want to correspond in any way, get in touch with me, there is at MetallicaPod on Twitter, there is MetallicaPod at gmail.com as well, and Patreon is there, so the Patreon's back up as well, so we are releasing that a week in advance, so if you want to listen to the Shadows Follow episode right now, even before you get into 72 seasons, you can support us over there on Patreon, and you will get premium access to the show. we got a lot to get into today, and unfortunately with the guests, we had a little bit of a technical issue up top, so I've had to re-record this intro but it was only like a minute or so so let's get into the first episode back of Alpha Metallica this is myself and Kevin Van Damme talking about 72 seasons and we're picking up with just a brief conversation about the old episodes that we did back in the day and in that post-hardwired era let's get into it we also covered two Lulu songs we covered Little Dog and The View which surprised me yeah somebody's got to do it you know <laughs> I'm, I'm there for you no that's true that's true so 72 seasons obviously it's been something you've been following closely like when the album came out were you there like midnight record store did you go to the cinema thing were you on that hype train well uh i thought about going to the movie theater thing i did a similar when they did it for hardwired i was there yeah and just because of the way my personality is i was like i kind of felt weird because i was like wanting to be pumped about it but then everybody is just like sitting in a movie theater (laughs) kind of like silent and next to you and not really doing anything so it felt a little weird uh, not that it wasn't enjoyable. I loved hearing the music, but this time I skipped out on it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I S and M two. I saw that in the cinema, and you're right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm gonna like headbang in my chair, but it does feel a little, a little stayed there. What about yourself and the band? Sort of post our discussions, the past few years coming through. Like, you know, are you still an avid listener? Or yeah, the last time uh, that we talked, at least, if my email dates are correct is september 2019 so it's been a while um since then i saw metallica in 2021 in atlanta um that was a pretty good show the acoustics in that giant mercedes-benz stadium weren't the best uh but still a great time i've been listening to a lot of i always listen to a lot of metallica so let's get into the track itself then this is a real proper assault you know in in so many ways and definitely one of their longer intro tracks. And we have that opening riff, that, that locomotive chug. I mean, it doesn't really reinvent the wheel in any way. But it's just, it's so satisfying. And I will say, I do really like this song on the whole. Like, there's a few flaws I see in it. But I, I do find it incredibly satisfying. And I do scream Wrath of Man, you know, when I'm just doing whatever in the kitchen. Like, you know, it's it, it definitely worked its way in. But that way, I think, Kevin, just that, that opening way where, you know, we'll have the bass and then the riffs will just start to build and start to sort of tease certain melodies and then, you know, building eventually to a point where the main riff comes through. It's just, it's just vintage, isn't it? It's just classic Metallica. It is. Uh, like, everybody kind of gets their little part in the now i think it's too long but it's about a minute and a half of intro it is very long (laughs) everybody has kind of their time to step in front and then it comes then it comes back and you know you go into the main riff and like you said really satisfying really just like if that first riff really gave me like hardwired vibes that same like fast yeah intro and then after that like the main riffs are kind of like 
kind of reminded me of Atlas Rise on Hardwired. Like, I think this mm-hmm. album is kind of like an extension of Hardwired. That's kind of how I think of it. Yeah. And But yeah, satisfying is a great word to use because I'm just like sitting there kind of swaying with that main riff. And it's really satisfying. Yeah, and uh, quite a few people have pointed out that the intro sounds a little bit, just for a few seconds, a bit, little bit like Mizzaloo by Dick Dale. You know, that kind of Pulp Fiction, just the way it sort of hangs on the note, you kind of imagine it to go that way. But yeah, we have that intro then giving way to that riff, which is very simple, like you say, is very Hardwired-esque, is very, this was just your life. Yes. Is that five, six... You know, five six seven, five six five, five six three. It's just you know. I, again, I know this is how riffs are constructed, and it, it is a mad assault, really. The, you know, the chugs are coming in thick and fast. And if you kind of just think, God, this is this is quite a quick song. In the same way, Kevin, that probably the most satisfying moment to me on Hardwired is the main riff of Moth into Flame. You know, it's just that just the way it twists around. Oh, yeah. I just find, you know, completely addictive. And this riff kind of does the same, doesn't it? It starts with more of a chuggy stuff and then gets into more of a kind of power chordy kind of proposition really engaging really well placed really suave that riff there it's a great banquet early on yeah i think it's like kind of effortless for james hetfield to kind of make these riffs so it just like (laughs) comes out of him naturally but it's got a great bounce to it like not necessarily a gallop Mm -hmm. maybe but just like a good bounce all the way through and you just and it doesn't feel like as long of a song as it actually is because i looked at the you know track time and it's like eight minutes and it's like is that really an yeah. album opener like time length? But it doesn't it doesn't feel as long as it actually is. No, no, absolutely not. I think where it drags, like it doesn't drag the first like five minutes or so. Like you're not kind of kicking your feet there, but it's more like because as we'll get to, you sort of get to the end and then there's another verse and another chorus and then a bit of an end on it. And, you know, it just, yeah, it, I think it should be, it doesn't necessarily have to be in and out or anything like that. I mean, battery isn't even like that, but it just, you know, it has to have a certain awareness there. But we do have these 80 seconds in the intro. You know, we do have a long build here, which I think dampens it a little bit on the re-listen where you just kind of feel things building, going through and stuff. But that's not to say sonically it isn't pretty incredible, really. I think all the instruments, I think James, I think everyone sounds great. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the Greg Fiddleman production is just like... Mm -hmm fantastic everything sounds great everything all the levels everybody sounds like they're in the mix it's just really great overall i mean you really can't fault them for using him for like all their live stuff and everything since hardwired basically he's apparently their guy because it just does sound you know really really good yeah yeah no no it really does and it's funny actually i um one of the podcast projects that I was doing in the interim uh, after I finished kind of the main Alphatalica run was this covered this band called Hundred Reasons, who I'm guessing you've probably never heard of, Kevin. I Most have not. I'm not that know. hipster. No, no, they are, uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000s UK. They were quite popular for a time. But one of the things that I thought was interesting was they recorded their debut album in New York just for 9-11, actually, like early September. Wow. And uh, Greg Fiddleman. It was one of his first ever production credits. He was on their uh, he was on their discogs or whatever. I just noticed his name there, and I had to ask questions. So, Man, what a strange link! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really, really out there. So, uh, so we have these riffs. You know, we have the riff that becomes a bit more of a chugger. You know, it just just has that kind of bounce, as you say, and then going into another riff, which is a bit more kind of classic. This is, of course, the verse riff. It's a little bit more stark, but it's got a nice canter to it. And James, his melody with the riff just has a kind of wonderful 
wonderful dance to it, really. I think I think the melody is excellent. I think the way he sings certain words, like James saying the word volcanic, is very fun to me. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, and, 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 and volcanic. Like, you know, he has this rasp, doesn't he? And he has this character to his singing. Like you know, there's nothing rote here. Like there's a real musicality to it, which I know he's singing. It's musical, but like. You know what I mean? Just he embellishes certain things in a kind of conversational way that's still very affecting and melodic. I'm glad you said that because I was going to bring it up. I think people may look at the lyrics of this song and think they're like very simple and straightforward. But I think working in lyrics around the riffs in this song is actually more complex than it seems. Um, And at least on this song, James has like that kind of older James Hetfield feel where I don't think it shows up Mm -hmm. as much in the rest of the album, which is really cool. But like the lyrics are actually really tightly controlled in the number of syllables per line. Yeah. So huge. if you, I actually, you know, went down every line and like added them all up, and it's like very, very mm. tightly controlled. So if people think he just like got out a rhyming dictionary and you know went through all these things that sounded cool, like I don't think that's it at all. I think he's trying to tell a story, but with very, very few words. So he's playing in a tight sandbox. So I think it's actually really impressive. No, it massively is. And some of the lyrics, like you say, for this song look really silly on the page. But the way that James sings it really sells it. Like, even something that, like, it's in the second verse. And he, I was just listening to the song for the first time, second time, whatever. And he, and he, and he sung this line. And I, I didn't really catch what he was saying. But I was like, oh, this melody's great. Like, it's just got a real nice, graceful lurch to it. And it's from the second verse. But the line just doesn't really make sense when you even say it. Shoot back fanatic wither under looming shadow cast like it is a bit of a word soup but it sounds terrific like if you listen to that bit of the song like it does it seems very like i don't know like medieval or something like dungeons and dragonsy yeah. if you read it on the page as far as those lyrics go the way the song is structured is like the first couple of stanzas i don't know if you call them stanzas i'm not a you know music mm. theory guy but well the, the first part is shot down and that goes for a couple of stanzas, and then it goes shoot back for a couple, and then at the end it yeah, goes man true, down. Actually. So it kind of tells a story mm. that way. I mean, it kind of gets lost because there's so much, you know, wrath of man triple lines as like a chorus or whatever in between, but it yeah. does kind of have that as a story. And at least in the way I look at the entire album together, like I look at 72 seasons in the front and Inamorata at the back. And look at it as like 72 seasons is like the wrath of man leads you all the way to wedding or loving misery as company at the very end. So I'll let somebody else take on that epic track at the end and not go too far into it. But that's how I look at it. I like that a lot. That's a lot to think about there. And uh, also, yeah, the shot down yeah that mirror is beautiful and you know long gone dogmatic although the die is cast you're right there's an economy here that that is really admirable what do you think of the transition before the chorus into the pre-chorus the staring into black light because it really is a marked change isn't it it's a real breakneck kind of hairpin twist of a, of a riff yeah it takes a sharp turn there but i think if it's going to be as long as it is it needs something in there to give it you know a different edge and kind of break things up into sections. Um, mm. Like if you were going to trim it way down, maybe that wouldn't be in there if this was a five-minute song maybe. But I, the first time I heard it when they released it, I was like, oh, wow, like that's a like jolt. And then after a few yeah. listens, like you kind of know it's there, and it kind of just like works in and slows things down and then sets it up for the riff to come back in. And I think that just mm-hmm. like refreshes your palate for that you know riff you want to hear again. Yeah. 
No, 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 I agree. And, you know, it, it's funny because, uh, again, this, you know, the album hasn't been out long and I haven't been making my notes, you know, spending much time at all doing them. So I actually disagree with my own notes here because in my <laughs> notes I've said that it's like a workman-like transition. But having listened to this song a ton yesterday and today, I do actually quite like it. I actually, I, I've got, I definitely came around quite quickly on that. But the chorus itself is, I'd actually call it the best chorus on the album. I don't know about you. I think I can agree with that. If I was going to listen yep. to the whole album again, I might lean one way or the other. But this is like definitely top three on the album for me. And I think the chorus is part of that. And then like it just kicks ass that he like kicks it off, kicks off the whole song. And then the chorus with that Wrath of Man line like that is just like yeah, awesome. It is. And it's just James is so skillful at doing this, like doing these majorly anthemic choruses with not much at all going on chord wise like but yeah there's something about i don't know music for me is about the alchemy between the melody of a song and, and the music what you're playing on the instrument and there's just you know even though he's essentially mirroring himself here with the da, 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 there is a real power that comes from that a real atavistic power and also the fact that it kind of resolves in a chug as well which i quite like it's not a very fast riff but just kind of like at the end of it he's kind of chugging it out there mm-hmm. and it just it's just perfectly positioned isn't it it's kind of like nicely atomized every syllable as you say kind of stands out here violence inheritance all these words you want to hear hetfield say the only and this is a minor minor little demerit here but i feel like it's almost Thrive Upon Feeding on 72 Seasons Gone, like, it, it's a little bit of a mouthful at the end, whereas the, 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 the chorus is, you know, quite sparing for the most part, but that's a minor thing. What, what are your thoughts on the chorus? I think you basically said everything yeah. that needs to be said about the chorus. <laughs> that's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's ve- it's very, very enjoyable, as you said, and I can just, like, imagine this in a stadium somewhere and people just going nuts oh. during this part. I think it's fantastic. It's, They're going to open with this song, right? They're going to just open with it. Like, would they? I mean, they open with Hardwired for the Hardwired tour. Would they open yeah. with this for the 72 Seasons tour? <sighs> Maybe. I mean, I feel like they might have chosen Lux Eterna. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, that's Lux what Eterna. James wanted to name the album, so... He's he likes it, but when I heard it the first time, I was like, "Are they covering somebody?" Because it just sounds completely the <laughs> British heavy metal. Like, I know kinda... you mean. Is this a budgie song? Yeah, like, exactly. Is this, yeah, <laughs> the phrase "wrath of man." Like, how how do you read that phrase? Uh, I mean, only James knows. I think it's just a cool line and kind of sets things up as like, I don't know, just a backdrop for the rest of the album because a bunch of the materials kind of dark. I mean, the lyrics on some of the songs are kind of like big brother to St. Anger, sort of like transparent, like very Mm. simple and straightforward. Uh, Even though the music to me has more of a like load, reload, redux sort of feel. I know some people don't like that characterization, but you know, I think hardwired and 72 seasons can kind of be paired that way. It's like a better double album in a sense. But yeah, Wrath of Man, I think there's something in James's mind that that sort of like cascades down into the lyrics. What it what it is, I can only guess at, but Cool Line is basically where I land on it. Yeah, no. I mean, should the song have been called that or is it just you've you've got to you got to have a title track, I think it would be a right? better name. I think 72 Seasons is a yeah. clunky name for a track and an album. I do agree. I do agree, yeah. And they're normally so good at, like, you ride the lightnings. Even Reload has a certain, you know... I do like the idea, though, 
of your hardened battle patch denim jacket wearing trues taking this home to their man caves and it just sticking out the yellow like just that egregious like <laughs> what what do you think of the cover like i get why they chose it after reading like the so what interviews or whatever but when mm. i first saw it i was like this is jarring and just seems like out of character for metallica same with the album art i think it's like too busy it just kind of looks like a burned yard sale and yeah. i'm not not that into it Going into the second verse, we mentioned before, you know, the Wither under Looming Shadow cast and that idea, and Mad Seasons take their toll as well. Like, yeah, being a grunge head as I am, I like to read that as a reference to Lane Stanley's solo band, Mad Season, <laughs> who, I mean, I, I know that they loved Alice in Chains, but yeah. might be a little too tenuous, perhaps. I mean, I think they, they knew Lane and the Alice in Chains guys, so it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if James chose words and kind of slipped that in for a you know little Easter egg for himself or for like ultra mega fans like you to find podcasters. Yeah, <laughs> he did it. He did it for the. He did it for me, Clinton Ethan. That's right. So I I liked uh, Blinded by the Ashes of the Past. I thought that that was really pretty sweetly done, I think. Yeah, I thought that was actually a clever turn of phrase just because there's such an emphasis on eternal light, you know, Lux Eterna through this album and chasing light and real emphasis on that. And then Blinded by the Ashes, that sounds pretty damn cool. Yeah, no, I like that. And chorus again into, well, the bridge is interesting because the bridge essentially repeats the intro where well rather than having the open note we're on the fourth fret now so we're slightly up but it's the same kind of idea riffs building on top of that it has a slightly more killer more kind of 80s feel to it just in the pedal point kind of chugging of the riff there then into the the, the sort of bridge in terms of the the vocals kevin the piercing through cut into polarize point of view crashing to paralyze i mean continuing the kind of theme of division and conflict right oh yeah absolutely like they're talking like he's talking about shots being fired and, you know, piercing through cut into like, what are we cutting into necessarily, you know, polarize meaning pull into two. There's some sort of bifurcation being referenced there. And then yeah. point of view, like, are you looking at yourself? Are you looking at what you've done? You know, crash into, maybe it's the point of view of the bullet crash into something and paralyze it. I don't know. Yeah. Just, just throwing out some ideas. No, I like it. And yeah, so we have this and then we go into the solo and, you know, I am a harsh critic of Kirk. I do know. I want to say also that I do worship Kirk and definitely check out an early episode of my, my top 10 Metallica guitar solos. I can't remember a word of what I said, but I do speak about a lot of my favorite solos in there and do heap a lot of praise on Kirk. So I don't want to just seem like this flagrant troll because I think, unfortunately, you're going to get that opinion of me of being just a bashing Kirk hater because I don't. I'm not really a fan of his work on 72 Seasons, and I am a bit of a, you know, I'm not saying this in a snobbish way at all, but I, I'm a bit of a guitar solo nerd. Like, guitar solos are like one of my favourite things in music and stuff. I listen to a lot of instrumental stuff, and I'm not saying that my opinion's right or anything, but I'm just saying, like, the way I hear these solos, they're just, they're so lacklustre, really. And just Kirk opening with a bend, very meandering legato patterns that are kind of cool in a Marty McFly you know, enchantment <laughs> under the 72 seasons dance kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I think we're ready for that now. Yeah, and it's like, uh, it's not even thrilling for its own sake. It's just cliche after cliche, this solo. So it's like, first of all, he's just doing the hammer-on stuff, but it's not really going anywhere. Then it's going into double stops. 
and then it's just going into like some like like you know some high note stuff like I, I, I don't know it just doesn't really work for me I mean sure it's kind of technically impressive he plays things quite fast and whatnot but it doesn't really solos are meant to lift a song I suppose Kevin that's how I see it or just complement it in some way or challenge it or what whatever but I don't know Kirk just here in my eyes he's been on autopilot since load he's still done good stuff don't get me wrong in that time but I feel like he's just he's just interested in the the creature from the Black Lagoon more than uh, <laughs> more than his guitar. <laughs> hey, maybe he has some really ripping solos when he plays with uh, plays with Rob in the wedding band. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I heard about that on the So What interview. Yeah, that was. Uh, d- d- didn't he lose a phone with a million ideas that he was like, oh, the next album I've got like uh, that was that was the rumor before Hardwired. Who who knows if it's true? Yeah. But yeah. I. But what what do you think of the solo? Sorry. Yeah, he's just like I mean, I'm not a guitar solo like aficionado no. like you are. Uh I think that I actually enjoy a like more restrained Kirk and kind of like play around within the song. I'm with you that it's not like uplifting or really like giving you that high in the song, mm. but it, and you know, there's a little bit of shreddy stuff, but it's not like blistering warp speed all over the place stuff that's impressive, but that I don't care about. I mean, you can go probably yeah. listen to Dream Theater or something for all that stuff. <laughs> I, you know, I prefer yeah. a solo like Unforgiven as everybody does, and there's nothing on sure. here that's anything close to that. You know, you can't get no. like a Pink Floyd comfortably numb on every song. Greg, Greg is not going to challenge Kirk, unfortunately. No. But on the other hand, I also enjoyed the solo on Halo on Fire on Hardwired. Like maybe I'm like mm-hmm. the only person, but <laughs> I actually liked it for as like simple and like I could probably play it. But, you know, I actually like a little more restrained Kirk, though, to your point, like not anything blown anybody's mind. Also, we I didn't mention it before when the riff kicks into that really chunky version of the riff, you know, at the top of the song, mm-hmm. we do have some Kirk wah for no real reason just kind of coming in there. <laughs> Which is fine, which is Metallica. It's as much Metallica as, you know, Lars's snare or Jason's BVGs or whatever. You know, it's just there. But, you know, I, I picked up a bass guitar recently and I've been playing whatever, just playing for fun. And I found this great guy on YouTube and he was like, the five ways of doing the best walking bass line. And he basically went in levels of complexity. And the first way he taught, basically, which everyone would just realize it anyway, and which Kirk does in this song, and he's this guy selling this video. He's like, "Oh, don't, don't like do this in your songs. Just do this like when you improv." <laughs> Kirk, Kirk just plays the root note of each chord with some wah on it. Like he doesn't like. It's like it's fine as dressing, but you know we've seen on like Kill 'Em All and stuff when he does jump into that pocket and just does something. You know, it, it can be quite electrifying. So. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of enough, Kurt. But I will say, with Kurt, the end of the solo, I do like where the riff changes underneath it. The down, 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 down. Like, it kind of echoes the intro. James providing the ballast is nice. Kirk has a coherent line and has a bit of pep to it. And I, I like that section at the end. Yeah, I like the... I like most of the solo just as far as like listening to it. Nothing about it offends me. I think I'm, I'm with you. The end of it is good. And then it kind of like gives a good like off ramp to go back into the riff. But yeah, mm-hmm. Kirk might be just like wedded to the wah pedal by reputation and now doesn't know what to do if he doesn't have it. I have no idea. To be honest with you, they've been going so long. It's really James's just passion and ferocity that 
you know, in the songwriting department at least, you know, is keeping them going. Obviously, Lars is the brains behind it as well. But I mean, it's fine. And it is, maybe if it wasn't there, we'd miss it. I don't know. I'm trying to be hopeful there. But <laughs> it does kind of drive me a bit mad. And like, when I was listening to the album, I was kind of laughing at a lot of the solos and not in a meme way or anything, but you just kind of know how Kirk's going to write these things, uh, you know, and it's not really any different from Hardwired. And yeah, a lot of the album isn't very different from Hardwired. So we then get where, again, it's not really a black mark against a song so much as just kind of you know the editing here but i really feel like the final verse and chorus aren't quite needed there are still some changes that they make i do really like the stuttering of the riff as we enter sort of the last 30 seconds you know when they do those those sort of stabs i really Mm -hmm. think that i just think it kind of chops up nicely and you know we sort of gather pace towards the end and it works well and it ends with wrath of man as we started with wrath of man which i really appreciate yeah I, I really like that it's kind of self-contained like that. I'm glad it's like a really, it's not abrupt, but it's like, yep, that's the song. That's it. It's what what we started with and that's what's going to end it. And it's just like all buttoned up as kind of a mm-hmm. story. Now, how, how coherent it is to everybody is up for debate. But I think it's like, yep, that's good. That's a really good bookend. It absolutely is. And it's, you know, in the same way that these 18 years, uh, you know, so says James. But, you know, I think he's right, to be honest with you. Being a person who has lived 18 years and kind of thinking about what happened in those and how it's impacted me. You know, I know you can read into it a bit too much if you want to and be a bit more prescriptive. But song-wise... You know, I feel like thematically it encapsulates that really nicely. Speaking about the Rafferman at the start and the Rafferman at the end, it's like, well, yeah, you know, you started with these 18 years and you're going to end with them. Like, these are inherent, these are implicit, you know, and it, it, it tells a really good story. And should the album be considered a concept album? Like, it, is it just not as explicit as it should be? Because it, it does feel to me like it really does carry this core message throughout. But again, I know there isn't like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, right? Yeah, I think if we weren't primed to think of it in that way, I'm not sure that any, not, not many people would come to that conclusion. Even with a song like mm-hmm. 72 mm-hmm. Seasons, they would probably think, okay, that's about that. You know, the rest of the album is about other things and not necessarily this is the running theme through all the all the songs. Like, I'm not sure people would come to that conclusion. Not that they no. need to, like, you know, that's, I just consider it like that's James's source material for lyrical stuff for this album that's basically how i consider it i wouldn't i wouldn't call it a concept album at all because it's like this is definitely metallica it's like what other concept are they playing with it's like they're just being metallica and this is kind of the thematic stuff for this this album and thus concludes definitely one of the strongest tunes on the album for me and possibly my favorite i mean that may change as we go through it but any any final thoughts on 72 seasons kevin no man i think we covered it unless you want to talk about the video but it's a lot of like similar stuff that you saw in the lux eterna and kind of all those videos that have been put out well, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's touch on that quickly. So, yeah, the the, the videos are kind of poor, like, you know, and, and I don't think that's their fault. I think, you know, if you're doing 12 for 12 kind of thing, they are going to look odd. Some of them look really bad. I can't remember what the one is. Maybe it's Chasing Light, where it's like all four of them are like these plasticast models with like faces glimmering out, but it's all like Minecraft yeah. visuals. They're like really, yeah, wow. Yeah, that's too far gone. I watched that one the other day, and I really like—I really like that tune. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll watch the oh, video." Yeah. And I was like, "Who came up with this?" Like, I know they got to do it on a budget because they're making the movie, so they have to do music videos for all the tracks. But man, like, I think that one was a miss. 
Yeah, though no, it's it's really really bad. Like, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll touch on it when we touch the song, but it, it, shockingly, like you, it's like something from Render, you know, in six <laughs> form or something. It's like really, really like, and I think in the comments, like the guy who did it was like top comment, like I love Metallica from Brazil. This is my dream, and it was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm proud, you know, good for him. Like, it's an amazing yeah. dream, and don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's a weird one. But yeah, I mean, yeah, not too much sound. This it's kind of murky visuals, obliterating them to a certain extent where you can't really see them. But the song does all the heavy lifting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, so yeah, uh, just before we close up, we of course always open the floor to you guys. So on Twitter at Metallica Pod, I've just been asking, you know what you think of the track itself of 72 reasons 72 reasons i'm thinking of 100 reasons <laughs> with greg fiddleman and 72 seasons but uh yeah i'll just get that up now uh but yeah guys we are definitely always looking for guests as well as i say so metallicapod at gmail.com definitely get in touch with us there if you want to come on for an episode on the blacklist so nick says nick mccoviak and all good guests says one of the most concise arrangements on the record. It's a stomper, especially the pre-chorus part, best of the singles released. Rick Nashtag, Rick who's uh, actually on for the Shadows Follow episode, go check that out on Patreon, says, Great modern Metallica, has all the key parts, some swinging verse riffage, a slower, chunky tempo, pre-chorus leading into an explosive chorus, and the post-solo guitarmony. The stuttered re-entry of the main riff at 7 minutes 43 is my favourite moment on the entire album. And Ralph Sametto... Ralph Savetto, fan legend, says the title track is the perfect album opener thematically to a release that mostly looks inward. Just a great intro to 72 seasons overall. Some excellent flashy parts along with some doomy, chucky interludes. Enjoy the Dick Dale-S bass intro provided by Rob. Hetz Vox really smoke. And finally, KJ Traven says, a chore to get through since not a lot happens for seven minutes. Cut it two minutes and it will probably be okay. Not a great album opener though. So again, great to hear from you guys at Metallica Pod. If you get in touch with us there, and we always put the links up for the song reception threads just before we do the recording. And finally, Kevin, I have um, a little surprise for you. Well, not really a surprise, but <laughs> I went back and listened to the end of our first chat. And uh, man, I'm so did, sorry. Uh, as hey, <laughs> and we, as we always did, uh, well, as we always do as well, but. It doesn't really count because we've got return guests here. Uh, we ask our, you know, Metallica questions, favorite song, etc. So, just a quick pop quiz on your old quiz. Do you remember what you said your favorite song was? Probably "Creeping Death." It was "Creeping Death." It was "Creeping Death." And your favorite album? Uh, did I say "Puppets" or "Justice"? You did say "Puppets." Yeah, you did say nice. "Puppets." Has has it shifted? Uh, yeah, over time. Uh, my okay. rabid defense of Eye of the Beholder has sort of made me plant my flag there, I think. <laughs> Favorite member? Do you remember who you said? It's got to be James. You did say James. You said a tie between James and Jason, actually. Yeah, yeah. Jason is but, uh, awesome. Yeah, no. He, uh, Newstead's coming back, right? I think I saw that the other day. I haven't heard that news. What's that all about? Yeah, the metal, the metal band. Yeah. and Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. And also, yeah, Newstead was in the press fairly recently because i listened to a, a few metal a few van halen podcasts as well and uh he was supposed to be on that tour or something with joe satriani or he leaked it or whatever so you know whatever work he's doing yeah i'm all ears definitely oh yeah for sure so uh so yeah this has been great this has been great to come back to al patalica awesome to have you on kevin and to go through 72 seasons as well Get in touch with us, metallicapod.gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the song, if you want to come on the show. Uh, Patreon is also available. So 
basically we are a week ahead on the patreon so if you're on list of shadows follow right now you can go support over there and get access to the episode and all other stuff that we're releasing uh we're on itunes we're on spotify leave us a review check out the old archive as well check out all the old episodes that me and kevin did and you know we did the black and whiskey one like i say we did the uh lulu tracks eye of the beholder sad but true we covered as well kevin classic can't go wrong with that one no, 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 and I don't remember a word we said, it's a man, isn't it? I mean, why would I? But it's like, you know, I'm sure when I go back, it'll all come flooding back, so... Uh, yeah, I don't definitely remember go either. Back. I never it's listen just, to the yeah, podcast same... after I... I don't listen no. to the ones I'm on. <laughs> no, it's the same for everything. And, like, looking back the other day, I was like, God, there's, like, 200 hours of Alpha Metallica. It's like, this is too much of my life, like, you know, but uh, <laughs> it's more, it's it's about 72 seasons of my life. So, um <laughs> roughly maybe uh so yeah uh again guys cheers for listening and kevin thanks again no problem man glad to be back on it's an honor 